morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning show. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. That snow is kind of depressing in the open. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was just I was like, oh, no. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get rid of that snow soon. You know, we might um, see some more snow later this week. And it will be a cold weekend. 20s for highs. Saturday and Sunday right now, 28, 29 degrees. Wind chill, 23. Uh, cloudy today. Sunshine high, 38. We're still in winter. Yes, we are. We are. March is, is a month for us. Mm -hmm. It's uh, winter in uh, Europe as well as uh, the latest from Ukraine. Two million mm -hmm. refugees since the invasion began. And they're flooding into Europe. Mostly Poland. Yeah. Right? Mostly Poland yeah. and, and some surrounding countries. But two million and, and that's it you know, less than two weeks, right? And that's so far. So far, right. Mm -hmm. I was talking with someone last night. And we have we have a hard time, I think, as Americans picturing what life is like in another country because of the way we were raised and taught throughout mm -hmm. history books. We have a hard time picturing society in Ukraine. Well, mortgages, they have TV, they have celebrities, they have big cities. They have everything we have. So when you picture two million people displaced, picture those folks, mortgages to pay, pay, bills to pay, banks to go to, supposed to do that when they're out of the country. You know, they have things like youth sports there. I mean, they have everything that we have. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it like that and realize that the, their entire country has been completely turned on its head, um, you should be able to relate to it a little bit mm -hmm. about what You know, you look at it as, um, I think as Americans, a lot of times we we look at countries overseas kind of with a, I don't know, a tainted thought. Like we don't we we don't give those other countries the credit they deserve. Right? Um, but yeah, it's just an absolute disaster over there. Just it a is. disaster. It's I I think we just can't we can't fathom it. We just can't think about that. Two million people already displaced. Did they have things to do? What are they going to go back to? When will they be able to go back to? Is all of their money gone? You know? I mean, it's just real hell. Yeah. With uh, pretty much just the clothes on their back, leaving their house, their living room. Their, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. So humanitarian aid is coming from everywhere. No, um, every, every country is, is willing. That's how, that's how we will help. They want, uh, Ukraine wants some jets from... Uh, from Poland. I think we should give them. Well, I want them from Poland, and then U.S. will reverse Poland with jets. But the problem is, uh, Poland doesn't want to do that because they're afraid Putin will see that as an ex escalation of war, which I tend to agree with. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think you want to give him any reason to do anything because he already um, has proven that he will act for no reason whatsoever. Very sick man. The mm -hmm. U.S. is looking into uh, possible war crimes, but. <laughs> Isn't war a crime? Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what are they going to do? Fly to wherever he is, go in there and arrest him? No, that's, I mean, it's just talk. It's just talk. But gas prices are on the rise, and it's because of this war, right? Mm -hmm. It is because of the war. So we are at an all-time high na nationally, most expensive in U.S. history, eclipsing uh, 2008. So the cost of regular across the country average is 417 
previous national high was in July of 2008. Oh, don't we remember the summer of 2008 so fondly? <sighs> 411 it was. You know, gas was 380 in Homer. I really screwed up there. Really? Yeah. Wow. You should have filled up. So, and if you want to humor yourself, you know the gas affects the airlines as well. Uh, try and book a ticket to Orlando for spring break. <laughs> See what that costs right now. Humor yourself. You've got time. It takes five seconds. See what it costs to go yeah. from Detroit to Orlando around the spring break time. Probably pricey. You can fly coat for $1,300. Wow. That is pricey. Yes. Oh, uh, we have news today from Alro Steel. Yes, we do. We do. Alro Steel has announced the election of Randy Glick as CEO and chairman. The Alro Steel board of directors announced that today that Randy Glick has been elected to the position of chief executive officer and chairman of the board. Randy started his career with Alro in 1981, working in corporate purchasing. He's held various roles, including inside sales, admin management, and general manager of Alro Plastics. He became corporate operations manager in 1993 and vice president of operations in 2013 and named senior vice president at that time as well. And since 2016, Randy has served in his con current position of executive VP. Randy says, following my father, the founder of Alro and an icon in the metals industry is not an easy task. I'm proud to be elected as the new CEO of Alro Steel and excited to carry on the duties of our family business and the legacy that Al started in 1948. So congratulations to Randy. I know you know Randy, a uh, great community member and um, just a, another in this community. So congratulations. Mr. Randy Glick. Yes, uh, not a surprise. This was totally expected and uh, part of the succession planning mm -hmm. of uh, the company and the family. Congratulations to Randy Glick, a uh, big Michigan football fan, Michigan basketball fan, as well as his dad. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, we've seen Randy on the sidelines at the uh, Michigan basketball games. Randy is, a, is a, as iconic as Al <laughs> uh, at basketball games. Yeah. Randy's always there. And guess who's back? Jawan Howard is back after his five-game suspension. Yeah. Uh, Did you hear that, Brandon? <laughs> uh, Brandon's, Brandon's just not, uh, no, he's not interested in that. We're, um, I think, as a Michigan fan and as a Michigan State fan, um, both okay with kind of how the regular season ended, ready for this Big Ten tournament. And, uh, I wanted to see him play Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, Maybe we, that'll we, happen. Could happen. <laughs> Michigan could play Wisconsin yeah, in the tournament if they make it to the tournament. But uh, some people think um, maybe Juwan Howard didn't need to come back after uh, the interim coach. Well, What's his name? Phil Martelli. Uh, beating both uh, Michigan State and Ohio State. So, hey, it happens. Not easy to do. It's not easy to do. Michigan football, you know, remember uh, a couple years ago they uh, toured um, France, then they went to uh, South Africa, the following year. Guess where they're going this summer? Uh, I will say they're going to the Maldives. The state of Michigan. Oh. Uh, Michigan football announcing yesterday they're going to tour the state of Michigan for their uh, summer tour. So maybe they'll come here. I would love for them to come here. That would be great. Yeah, if, they've, uh, they've kind of taken the uh, recruiting 
benefits and trips uh, to the next level the last few years. You know, part of being recruited by a, a major college football team is finding out what country you're going to go visit for weeks in the summer on a beautiful vacation. How would you like, uh, a, how would you like a, a new boat? Boat prices are through the roof. I would like a new boat. I don't have an old boat. Here's a free boat. Uh, in California, uh, Irwindale police uh, encountered the uh, they were on patrol, and there's an abandoned boat parked, anchored to the street sign that says no parking. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Los Angeles Street in Irwindale. Uh, it was removed by the city crew, but it was not stolen. Um, it was just left there. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this story, <laughs> but my friend uh, Rich and I were on our way home from the casino one time uh, in Mount Pleasant, and it was late, and I... And sleeping in the car on the way home, and uh, we wake up, and Rick is trying, he, there was a boat like that on the highway, and we wake up, and he, he was trying to tie the boat, <laughs> tie the boat to bring it back to Siena Heights. The boat was wow. not on a trailer. We were try, he was trying to hook it up with a Ford Taurus. Nice. Um, yeah, it didn't work out, mm. so, but it was a, that's a true story. Hey, um, you know I'm a big fan of vanity license plates. I know, you, we have one. We do, we yeah. have one. Well, there's a new one in uh, North Carolina, and this, this one is fart. Say, right? I don't, I do not say like it that once. word. Say I, it. I won't say Just it. Just say it. As I was growing Brandon, up. Brandon, say it. Fart, say it. Fart. <laughs> As I was growing up, that was my, that's what kids, mean kids called me. Oh, you know what, those kids. Yeah. Kids. The license plate, one North Carolina woman paid extra money to have on the back of her vehicle. Good Lord, fart. Carly Cindy of Asheville said the DM <laughs> DMV approved her personalized license plate back in October. She was a bit surprised but excited when she received the plate in the mail. She put it on her truck and went on her merry way, driving around town with fart on the back of her pickup. I don't even want to see it anymore. But then... On February 25th, she received a letter in the mail from the DMV, and the letter stated that the DMV had received some complaints about the fart plate. She claims it stands of Asheville Regional Trails, an organization that does not exist. So she's trying to backpedal. You to know keep people the in Asheville. Plate. I know people in yes. Asheville, and they don't <laughs> like this stuff. No. So uh, take your plate and uh, move on to the low country. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're in the, uh, it's March Madness. It is March Madness. Yeah, we've got busy uh, week. We've got girls, boys districts. What happened Let me give last you some, night? Yeah, let's give you some scores brought to you by Extreme Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram presenting our scoreboard all year long. Thank you very much to our friends. So districts were uh, crazy last night. So Northwest beat Jackson High. 50 to 46, and they will play Lansing Everett, I believe. Division two at Tecumseh, Western one, and Adrian one. Division three, Hanover Horton, they advance. They beat Springport 68 to 50. The, the long game, we're calling it the long game. Michigan Center outlasts Lumen Christie in five overtimes. 89 to 85. That was five the, overtimes. So that was the first game of the night. Imagine that. Wow. Gosh. First game of the night. Uh, we'll have photos uh, from that game uh, coming up later this morning. Yeah, photos and highlights uh, from the majority of those games mm -hmm. uh, will be available on our website later 
today. In Division Three at Columbia, Addison beat Manchester by one. Marshall Academy beat JPAC. Jackson Christian advances, and they beat Battle Creek Calhoun. That Jackson uh, prep team looked really good. Marshall Academy had some yeah. really tall uh, football players. Oh, did there. they? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, great opportunity to get out and uh, see some basketball tonight. On deck, we've got girls uh, regional and we have three uh, three teams. So Western, they are going to play East Lansing at 5:30. Now Western and East Lansing, they have played once this year already. Western beat them by one. Note this game is at 5:30. Uh, it's listed other places at seven o'clock. But if you want to see Western, they are at 5:30. And then in Division Three at Hudson, Leslie Dansville is the first game, and then the locals play at seven. Columbia Central and Grass Lake, which should be. Uh, a heck of a game, and that's uh, Division Three at Hudson, and we have folks out at all those games, so uh, or most of the games, and we'll uh, we'll have highlights and photos for you later today and tomorrow. Uh, busy show today. Who's on? We have the return of Dr. Donna O'Neill, and Dr. Donna is next. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. The morning show is being brought to you by Wilcox Lawn and Landscaping. They are uh, awesome landscaping uh, providers complete design, installation, and maintenance of decks, retaining walls, patio, gazebos, and water gardens for Jackson and the surrounding areas. Among the services, uh, boulders, wood walks, gazebos, paver walks, patios, segmental retaining walls, water gardens, landscape design, and they do just regular lawn landscaping. Free estimates, call 517-529-4550 Wilcox. Lawn and landscaping. They do my uh, sprinklers. Oh, your lawn looks so lush. <laughs> I don't know that to be true. Our first guest on today's show is Dr. Donna O'Neill from the Pick Center. Good morning, Dr. Donna. Good morning. It's nice to see you. Yeah, it's been five weeks. It's unbelievable. So we're uh, we're talking a lot this week about the two-year anniversary, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of. This was going in two years ago. We were going into our last normal weekend and then the uh, the cancellations started to roll um, does it feel like two years or does it feel like longer. six months or ten longer. years yeah <laughs> longer yeah. and it's interesting i went to, to my first medical meeting um in february it was the first meeting for all of us two years is weird it was they only allowed half of us to attend half were in person half were virtual we had to rapid test every morning um, we couldn't eat in the rooms, we wore masks, uh, we had little stickers on matches saying and people to stay far away, close up. It, it, it's a wow. start, but you know, it showed me the impact of COVID mm -hmm. because everything's come to a stand. You know, uh, we, only had it, we only had, I was okay with people, uh. yeah. But I mean, all the research stopped. Mm -hmm. You know, we only spent a half a day on COVID. Unfortunately, we didn't get into some of the controversial topics. Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. we're, we're getting back. Um, and then the big news, um, uh, we picked up Canada and just Ted went and got her from, Win you know, school. Windsor was quite unusual because mm -hmm. it was during the truckers 
you know, oh, convoys. Yeah. So there are barricades, heavy police presence. All the lights were red and flashing, so the cars would sit down. The only good thing about it was there was no traffic at the border. Hmm. Um, but we still, to get her home this weekend, we have to still register and be tested. And, uh, and then uh, we took my mom to visit uh, my son. We all met up in Savannah. And there's a picture of them if you, I think we're showing it. You know what's funning? When were you in Savannah? We might have been there the exact same. Last week. Really? Yeah. She looks was like I in Savannah last week? You I were was. in Savannah last I was week. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in that photo. Is that the big park there? That's the, one of them. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not Forsyth Park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was only there for a few hours, but yeah, yeah it's a beautiful so, town. You have a beautiful mom. Yeah, so yes. slowly, you know, getting back to the swing of things. So when yeah. you think about it, yeah, we're, things are looking up. Spring's coming, spring break, evasion, oh, warm yeah. weather, that should help. You know, we know from past pandemics, usually they run two, three years. So I don't know if this is the end. I hope so, but uh, we need to stay tuned. So the virus, you know, is, looks good in some parts of the U.S. Maybe we can show some of the slides sure. in some countries, you know, about Hong Kong and New Zealand. It's not over there. I think the last time I was here, everything was red. Now we're showing different colors. Uh, this map is getting a little obsolete because the CDC has changed. They've only have three risk categories, if you want to show the next one. Fortunately, Jackson, we're in low risk category, meaning things can really open up, but it's not consistent throughout the U.S. Uh, the next one. So this is what we have to keep our eye on, and this is the variance. And you can see over time just by the colors how it changes, and what happens next is going to depend upon the variance. So in some places like Denmark, you know, things haven't settled down because uh, the other variety of Omicron mm. has uh, taken hold. And what, maybe the next slide. What happened here? Did um, did Omicron infect so many people so fast that it kind of got it out of the way a we little hope. bit? We hope so. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll see. And then we're in category five. Again, the variant piece of the pie is uh, the lighter pur pinky purple color. So we have to keep an eye on that. Uh, and how we're going to do that, the next slide. Um, this was interesting. I kind of revisited this. Um, there's this wastewater project mm. where they check for the virus in our water system. And this is for the state of Michigan. Unfortunately, uh, Jackson is on the downside. But there's you know a few areas where it's, that's not happened. So this is going to help it only partially because it's very coarse data. Um, we don't know how sick these people are going to get. We don't know their ages. It just tells us if there's activity. So that's one of the ways we're going to keep an eye on things. It so. is uh, a worldwide uh, pandemic, and the war is, I think, causing some new concerns. We've got uh, Poland, um, Hungary, Romania, all seeing uh, refugees pour in, most of them unvaccinated. Could we see uh, with, uh, and in some parts of the they're just starting the pandemic, could we see new variants create resurgences that could then end up being transmitted back to the United States? Could sure. it start all over again? That's, we just have to keep our eye out, see what's next. Mm -hmm. I can't predict, nobody can, but no. true, all those things are true. Monday, um, the world eclipsed six million deaths. But a lot pandemic. of people think that's an underestimation. Mm -hmm. 
So seeing rates as high as 17 million. Wow. And really that number kind of boggles my mind. It's, it's hard yeah, to it's, comprehend it's that. absolutely crazy. Uh, so I think most people feel it's probably more around so clinically, I think what we have to look forward to is um, we're going to hear a lot about long COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would always tell people. They're always worried about the long-term consequences of the vaccine. I, I was more worried about the long-term effects of COVID. We still don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Omicron's going to be less. There's just a lot we don't know. So for that, I've seen several of these patients incapacitated for some of them. Uh, I have a uh, someone in my family with asthma that has had uh, the they had Omicron, very mild case. Mm -hmm. Asthma's gotten a lot worse since the virus. Hard to know. I mean, I've seen a lot of not necessarily older folks, but after COVID, they've now had some cardiac issue. You know, their heartbeat has gone chaotic. Mm. You know, atrial fibrillation. So there's a lot still we don't know clinically about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, from the diagnostic point of view, I think you're going to see a lot more about serology. That's, you know, there's a blood test that has shown whether or not people have protection. Now we can quantitate it. Uh, I think we're a little behind the rest of the world here. Um, but now you can get a number value and we have to figure out what that magic number is to tell people if they have protection or not. But it could be very useful to know you know, what's going on epidemiologically, you know, for vaccine trials and how to manage patients. I'm, uh, I don't think my brain could get any smaller, but uh, <laughs> there's been some news that the brain could have some effects after this COVID. Well, this is what I was telling people. I mean, when you can't smell, you know, where do you think that nerve resides? It's up right. in, in your brain. Potentially can shrink up to 10%? We'll see. I mean, I think that was a bit <laughs> premature. And I, I, you know, I don't think people... That may be misinformation. It may be, and, and I, very I just this as I read the article literally the night before. But these are I, all preprints, actually, so we, we have to be really careful with that. But okay. just you know, keep our eyes out. There's a lot new, you know, therapeutically. So vaccines, still nothing for you know children less than five. Mm -hmm. uh, from Canada, we've learned that maybe you get a better response if the interval between your doses is greater. Uh, what's really important is for immunosuppressed patients. Um, the world may be a little tougher for that group right now, and it's group uh, to be up to date in your vaccinations. They need four doses if they've begun with the new mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer or the Moderna, and timing has changed. So to get that fourth dose. Uh, they're recommending that they get it three months after their third dose. And I've been pleasantly surprised about the vaccine into the office. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, a lot of people are still not up to date, meaning like for you, Andy, three mm -hmm. doses. And I offer it and the uptake has been fantastic. I uh, think the matter is just so inconvenient for people. They're willing, the, they're willing to get it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it is. If, people have not made the time or had the time. Now, where we are, things all over the country, there are all different, uh, uh, I guess, um, feelings about the, the mask, the vaccine. Florida yesterday said they're gonna recommend that healthy children um, not get the vaccine. New York City public schools um, had their first day without masks yesterday. Mm -hmm. 
we're seeing the West Coast has eliminated masks yeah. really which is a is a big deal you know mm -hmm. 51 million children affected by that on the so West I think Coast. what you're gonna this we were away in Canada they've opened up a bit and they're probably more conservative and slower than mm -hmm. any place in the US and my mom was shook up a little bit as um, my niece got COVID while she was away. Mm -hmm. So we were very careful with my mother. We made her wear a mask and wear it properly. I felt like I was scolding her all the time. And so that kind of hit home. It's not over yet. Mm -hmm. You know, people are, so when things open up, you're gonna expect to see a little bit of a bump. And my niece, by the way, had three doses. Um, yeah, so can't hide from it, right? I think there's a lot that you can do to decrease your risk. And I think the point is it's all local. If we've learned anything from this is we need a local approach. And mm -hmm. I hope we keep that in mind looking ahead. Um, and I think how you behave is your risk. So I think we're forgetting these immunosuppressed patients where life is not going to be still the mm -hmm. same. And if you work with them like I do, if you live with them, you know, your behavior is going to be, you know, it's okay. You were free to do that. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't mock them. We should care about them and keep this in mind that in these people, this is where the variants develop because they have a hard time clearing it. And mm. someday we're all going to be like that because as we get older, our immune system gets nice. weak. Right. So if you want to be a little <laughs> selfish, we need to think about these people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's new treatments. Um, so there's one for the hospital and the monoclonal antibodies um, that changes weekly now. There's two that are still recommended. So fortunately, we have a new one to help us with the variants. Um, so there's we're, we're having progress. So we'll see what it was like last March. It's good. Put it that way. More with from the Pick Center after this short break. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to The Morning Show. Dr. Don O'Neill back with us from the Pick Center with the uh, two-year anniversary of the start of the pandemic nearing, we can look at uh, the toll, which has been amazing. Uh, in the United States, we're nearing a million uh, people who have died. We're seeing cases uh, still declining in the state of Michigan. The positivity rate is down, but people are still dying. Yeah, Dr. Kak and I uh, were talking yesterday, and he has somebody in a local hospital who he's going to pass from it. And um, come in, and you know, what's new? Well, somebody died due to COVID. So yeah, it's not. It's things are definitely looking up, and I think we kind of have to. I mean, if let's get rid of uh, COVID was the top cause of death in January of this year. Wow! Amazing. And then for last year, next slide. I came in number three. Oh, okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, in two years, look what's happened. Yeah. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Can you imagine if we uh, saw this uh, two years ago, if someone showed us these charts? We, we, what? 
We wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder. Like, it'd be what? interesting to see how the American people would react to seeing future numbers like that. Probably a lot differently than maybe some of us did. No, but it's interesting. Where do we go from here? I don't know. They're talking about having a system kind of like uh, a weather system or a hurricane system or if you have hmm. allergies and trouble breathing, you know, appalling counts. So you could, you know, determine for yourself what your behavior should be like. The only difference, though, with infectious diseases is, you know, if you go outside and you get wet, yeah, you're getting wet. But with these infectious diseases, spread it to other people. Mm -hmm. So we, I hope we learn from what we've gone through. I mean, we haven't done as well as some other countries, um, and we have to kind of things up. Um, I mean, I think we've learned ventilation's important, our air filtration, so we should be, you know, focusing on that. Public health really needs a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to restore trust, you know, only, you know, in public health, but each other. You know, I think we have to get back to being a caring society and think about, you know, the immunosuppressed people. I think we learned we need to have our own supply of goods. Mm -hmm. You know, we no, need to, no again, stockpile. I got to buy all of them. What's that? Not just Lorax <laughs> way. Medicine. But, but we have to monitor and then when the time is right to intervene. I think that has to be local and we have to decide how we're going to do it. You know, do we mm -hmm. need to have a group of people getting together? Who's going to make these decisions? So we're not such a chaotic approach. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know what? It seems like if we were to have another pandemic in another year or two, uh, we would be woefully unprepared. It doesn't seem like we have become <laughs> mobilized for the next uh, pandemic. If we are where we are today, we've got, we've got to change a lot in order to be prepared for the next pandemic. We need to. Yeah, need I mean, to. so that's, I, I don't want history to repeat itself, no. but we need to take those lessons. And I think very importantly, sick, sick home, no matter what you have. Um, we don't want uh, presenteeism. I mean, in the medical profession, it's terrible. We'd all yeah. go to work sick. Who's going to, you know, but you have to stay home. Um, our, our healthcare system needs some suturing right now. You know, we've been hemorrhaging. And um, yeah, so we have still a lot of work. And, um, you know, we have other infectious diseases that have been around. TB, it's been around for millennia. And still every year, it kills 1.5 million people, you know. So um, yeah, I don't know what the future holds, no Amazing. one does, but we do need to um, be ready and learn from it. And I've used a lot of uh, Winston Churchill's quotes, and uh, so this final one, nourish your hopes, but do not realities. Wise man. Very wise. Were there any, um, Bart and I show probably once a week, a video of someone acting like an wearing a mask. Did you have any of that on your aircraft? No, I thought, uh, you know, they have a lengthy announcement and, you know, they're strict mm -hmm. if you don't. I think it's just Spirit Airlines. <laughs> I flew Delta and yeah. we felt safe. This was a big plunge for us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of like telling my mother to go swim in the ocean before she got in the pool and she's a non-swimmer, period. <laughs> um, so and we're all going to be going at different paces and, and that's okay. Um, I was... Uh, when the pandemic first started and the airlines decided that they were going to stop wheeling that giant, uh, heavy uh, metal 
cart down the aisle that that was going to be gone forever, but it came mm -hmm. back. Oh, yeah. It's back. It's the stupidest thing. Pick your seat on the plane wisely. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe that that is the best uh, technology, the best use. It of is. Yeah, it, of course it is. How else could they do it? You give people a bag when they get on the plane, and you tell them to, you can eat it and drink to sit down and shut up. <laughs> Most of our flights, we had no service, because so <laughs> they were short. Yeah. What if? I mean, what if you want a, a diet coke and the in the bag is a Coca-Cola Classic? Check something off on your. That's just a lot. I, I like this. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just fine. I think you need to pick your uh, pick your seat better on the. Oh, uh, they're never the going to change it. And the load people on the plane, they put. people in the first uh, mm -hmm. section on first, mm -hmm. and then all the next people have to, tr to mm -hmm. climb all <laughs> of them, and they're in, they're standing, and they're all their stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you do what we do, or you uh, try and figure out what everyone does for a living that walks <laughs> by you? <laughs> no, I can't say I do that. Yeah, that's uh, next usually I'm trying to diagnose what their medical yeah, problems you're, are. You're doing, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You should try that because that's awfully fun. And the fact that they didn't give you food at your medical <coughs> excuse, the COVID, everybody said, okay, we're not giving people food anymore. <laughs> that's not coming back. Mm -hmm. They're using it as an excuse, but we can't give people food. Well, you the, don't do buffets, especially probably at a medical conference. I get it, buffets, but give people the food. But Bring the food we're back. We're still blessed that we can do these things, even yes. though they're altered. <laughs> Yeah. Poor Jeff Steers, the MHSA wrestling finals at Ford Field. They said, oh, well, we have, you know, it's still COVID. It, that's the only place the MHSAA thinks it's still COVID when it comes no to food. No food. There'll be no press food today. Oh. Yes. Dang it. COVID. Yeah. You know what? Oh, uh, we'll have, we'll sometimes, sometimes they have popcorn <laughs> and pop that are, <laughs> that you can get. MHSA will cram as many people as we can into a gym. But no press food because there's still COVID. No. <laughs> there's, there's you have to go out to eat to get your own food this time. Sorry. All right. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Good to Maybe see you. next time. Next time, something else. COVID. Sounds good. We'll talk right. about something else. Dr. Don O'Neill from the Pick Center. Stay with us. Mayor Mahoney and Prosecutor Jarzenka join us next. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Today's show is brought to you by Vermeulen Home Furnishings. Now in their third generation as a family-owned and operated business, they take pride in helping people furnish their homes with comfortable brand-name furniture at affordable prices. Thanks to Vermeulen Furniture for helping us bring you today's show. Joining us now on the show, the Mayor of the City of Jackson, Daniel Mahoney, and Jackson County Prosecuting Attorney, Jerry Jarzenka. Welcome to the show. Morning. Have you guys met each other? We have. Oh, yeah. Just a couple times, yes. Uh, I think he's keeping count. Every agenda we get the number of meetings we've had to put these together. So We were familiar with meetings, Bart. Yeah. It's part of our lives. But, uh, you know, uh, in your role, you have to work together, and you guys yeah. are working together in a summit. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, we just saw a prosecutor. I will. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Basically, uh, you know, uh, 
we put together a summit to reduce violence in county. Okay. And uh, it's scheduled for April 8th this year. And this is really a team effort. It's a collaboration uh, of a number of uh, members of our community uh, that have worked on this. Gosh, since uh, last November, we've done, had 10 planning meetings to organize this event. Uh, it's going to be free and open to the public. It's uh, going to be at the America One Event Center. And so we're pretty excited. You know, it's a collaboration of the county, the city. Uh, I know Mayor Danny Mahoney, uh, Jackson College, Kelly Crum, John Willis of the city, Anthony Parker is a concerned mm -hmm. citizen. The sheriff, under sheriff, a city of Jackson uh, police chief, or director Elmer Hitt, and myself. Uh, and so we're really inviting people in the community to, to step forward, not just the planning committee, but citizens uh, to really look at the issue of violence, especially we've had shootings mm -hmm. and homicides in the city the last several years. And so this is really another approach, an additional approach to try to get the community involved uh, to work on solutions. Uh, locally from our community to address those issues. And so um, it's kind of like the drug summits we've had. We're taking a page out of that playbook mm -hmm. uh, in, in effect to get a community-wide approach to get everyone in the community to step forward. We want you to be involved. Uh, we want your ideas. We want your solutions. Mm -hmm. And like the, uh, the drug summits, we basically have scheduled uh, the planning community, you know, four quarterly meetings after this April 8th uh, summit. And we're going to have, we've scheduled another uh, summit to reduce violence next April, April 14th, uh, mm -hmm. 2023, to report back on, you know, the goals and ideas that each work group uh, is going to work on this coming year. Sounds like a uh, great opportunity, especially to be in the room with uh, leaders and lawmakers that, uh, that uh, help protect our community. Violence can mean something different to anybody when it comes to thinking about how your community and violence. I think of... Um, Kids with kids with guns, gunplay. That's what I think of first. Um, what what is our violence problem in the community? Uh, what what is the reality of it? I guess I would say. Well, I mean, the reality is it's just happening far too often, um, and and like you said, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. As far as when you say the word violence in the community. Um, but I mean, we, we wanted to make sure that we were mindful to not make this an opportunity for it to turn into a political situation, right? right. right? By saying it is a gun violence right. summit because then people think that you're trying to come take the mm -hmm. guns, Bart. And that's the people to think yeah. uh, because that's not what the intention is here, right? Sure. I, uh, I know I'll speak for myself personally. I'm definitely a, a Second Amendment uh, supporter in a major way. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, I want to see stop happening is so many young people losing their lives yeah. in the street in Jackson, Michigan. I mean, not yeah. just to gun violence. We just had a young man stabbed to death right. that I've known since three or four years old. Uh, mm -hmm. who had an extremely bright future, full-time dad to his two daughters, full custody mm -hmm. of his two children, who is now gone forever. And over what? Over something very senseless mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just being in the wrong place at right. uh, as a community to make sure we're steering individuals away from leading themselves into that lifestyle uh, and at the bad place there that don't want to leave that lifestyle alone uh, to get them off the streets of Jackson mm -hmm. and change this community. Because community safety and community is one of the 
that people look for. And if we want to continue growing as a community, uh, as a city, as a county, if we want to continue growing, then that's something that we have to get under control. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, back to the guns, you know, I don't want to, I'm, that's not my role either, but uh, I think as far as what Jackson has seen um, has ha been highlighted by some shootings with kids. And I think yeah. that's, that's kind of my point there. But yeah, to, your, to your point, um, it's, it's a community-wide issue. But really the conversations need to take place, correct? It is. And this is this is what was so beautiful about the prosecutor's idea is that this is no longer just an issue of the south side of Jackson. Mm -hmm. This is no longer an issue that just involves the city of Jackson. Um, this is our entire community, the entire Jackson County and Jackson, the city of Jackson. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have to lean into this problem uh, as a community uh, to be able to come up with some solutions to what we can do because you know as individuals who are involved uh, on the political side on the, we don't have all the answers mm -hmm. we've got what we may think will work but we don't have every answer or all the solutions to this problem and we need everybody in the community to show up uh, and into this issue in our community to wrap their arms around this mm -hmm. issue uh, and, and come to the table solutions yeah there's your there's your invitation the community's openly invited to participate that's great yeah we've got a an expert uh speaker that's on the program tell us about uh germane germane merit juice <laughs> yes go ahead <laughs> uh well you want me to tell him about? sure go ahead tell so me i mean he's uh he's a, a formerly incarcerated um uh individual from uh chicago who has changed his life around, uh, but knows exactly what it's like to walk that lifestyle um, and is now changed his life around and is going around speaking to youth and, and communities about, uh, you know, just the perspective of like what to do about really impacting and making that change in the community, so. Yeah, um, Jermaine Merrill basically is an ex-gang member, so he's gonna be talking about his experience and how he changed his life and what he's doing now. So. We think he's going to be a very powerful speaker. That's great. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. you know, coming from Chicago, they're certainly seeing a, you know, an incredible amount of, at least according to the reports, a lot of gun violence. Yes. A lot of yeah. Yeah, just a lot of violence in general. And I think the pandemic probably brought some of that in some of these major cities um, across the country, Jerry. Oh, sure. I think that the whole uh, pandemic has raised tension levels of all citizens across mm -hmm. the country. And so that doesn't help, you know, trying to escalate any situations of violence. It's definitely. Yeah. I would just add what the mayor was saying about, you know, getting the community involved. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the drug summit where we really were, law enforcement was really overwhelmed by the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. And we asked for citizens to get involved here. Yeah, I can tell you my perspective behind the scenes to, to you and your viewers, uh, the last four years at least, there's been tremendous efforts by law enforcement, especially Chief Hitt uh, and other supporting police agencies to, to work on you know, issues of shootings we've had, especially in the city. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've had federal grants. I know in my office, we dedicate three assistant prosecutors just to those cases, in addition to myself, my chief assistant. One of our assistant prosecutors actually, um, under a federal grant, Project Guardian, is assigned as a special federal prosecutor at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Detroit, dealing with cases that go to uh, from Jackson mm -hmm. to Detroit and are prosecuted federally. So, tremendous amounts of efforts are being done. This summit really is 
like the mayor said, we are trying to do some in addition to all that. Because I'm sure they don't like uh, violence. They have their own ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think we are really optimistic there's going to be some really good ideas that we can implement. Well, I can't imagine there are people that are for violence. So I think you at least have a unified uh, community uh, against and, and for solving the, the, problem, the problems. You mentioned, um, you know, you and gun violence because you're afraid that that will uh, attract people concerned about uh, losing losing their guns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the violence that we are talking about, it it is violence, isn't it? It is. And I mean, you know, it's not necessarily that we were afraid. Uh, we were just trying to be mindful. Yeah. Keep right? the conversation wanna, where it should we be. We want right? to eliminate yeah. the opportunity for someone to feel like this is not something that I need to be involved in because of my opinion of X, Y, and Z. We really want to get this uh, a situation where everyone in the community had the opportunity to come to the table, not feel like their personal values uh, of political standpoints something that can be in the way. Um, one thing that I know for sure is everybody in the city of Jackson, in the county of Jackson, community. No doubt, right? Right. Uh, so I think with with that being the case, uh, we what the major issue is, right? We know that, that, that there's gun violence, there's the domestic violence issue, there's uh, other violent crimes that happen in the community, and these are the things that we want to wrap our arms around and come to the table solutions that get brought by the community. I mean, um, uh, you know, the prosecutor said when you look at the way the community really wrapped its arms problem through those summits, and I think what are really going to really appreciate about this is there's been community meetings with kind of the same cast of individuals held before. So I know most people's mind is going to say, we've tried before. We've tried coming together as a community to talk about this and then nothing happens afterwards. Uh, the forethought that was put into not, let's not just plan for this summit, but let's plan work sessions afterwards and then a follow-up summit the following year so that people know this is not just a one and done. Mm -hmm. This is something that we are really truly committed to making sure that the solutions that get brought forth by our community are supported and, and that we try to carry those out to, to the best of our ability. Right, and actually, uh, just to piggyback off of what the mayor is saying, we've scheduled five work groups with chairs and basically breaking down uh, four areas where different citizens can really use their skill sets and experiences to address the issue. So we've got faith-based, we've got uh, a family and victim impact work group, uh, we've got an economic work group, we've got a youth education work group, and then of course law enforcement work group. So they're all going to come to the table and work over this coming year to, to come up with goals and solutions. Well, we're excited that you're putting this together and we'll look forward to uh, April 8th and uh, hope everyone can be there. You've got a big room, the American One Event Center, so uh, all are welcome. Thanks for being here Gosh, today. Yeah. Thanks Thank for your time today. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Prosecutor Jerry Jarzinka and Mayor Daniel Mahoney. The morning show continues after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together.
Welcome back to the morning show. Uh, we were talking about the Common Grill last week closing uh, next week, and no new developments as far as we know, but there are people interested in taking over. But there are. News, yeah, we have news of another uh, institution uh, closing, Hobbs Restaurant in Ypsilanti, uh, closed last Friday. I mean, it was the end. It just wrapped up. The restaurant in downtown Ypsilanti opened for 87 years. Brandon, there's a deja vu in Ypsilanti still, I think. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. <laughs> David Kabat, 80, 80 years old, uh, the owner and his son, uh, it was sudden, and owners, doctors told him he needed an immediate lifestyle change due to a health crisis, so that's it. We're closed. Hmm. And Dean Jackson, they loved going. Really? And every year at Hobbs, their annual anniversary, they lowered the prices to back to the their first year. Really? Of 27, stuff like that. Oh, I'll be darned. I never uh, made it to, to Hobbs in Ypsilanti. It's, it was an institution. Yeah. yeah. Huh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully uh, someone buys it and opens it back up, like yeah. I think is going to happen with the Common Grill. Cross your fingers. I don't know anything, though. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Uh, join us tomorrow morning. We'll have Zoe Lyons along with Angela Guadagnini and Kate Schwartz from Kate's Art School. And later today on BART Show, Kelly Crum, our visit to the Albert Kahn Apartments, Kelly Schweitzer from Lumen Christie, Ebony Young, and Barbara Baird Pauly. That's it for today. Have a great morning. <laughs>